0: Hi and welcome to the School Should Be podcast, a chance to hear from students, teachers and professionals to learn about all the things School Should Be. My name is Zahara and I am the founder of School Should Be. I've worked in schools for the past 10 years in a variety of roles from a classroom teacher to an education consultant. Schools are clouded by so many barriers, however my experience has shown me it is possible to overcome social and economic hurdles, archaic curriculum structures and be part of the unlearning process that our students and teachers need now more than ever. This podcast will explore a variety of themes, topics and viewpoints, all of which can make school a better place for students and teachers. I hope it helps you learn and smile along the way too. Please do leave a review, share and help us grow the School Should Be community. Right, let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the School Should Be podcast. Um, I'm really excited today uh, to be joined by Sophia. Hi Sophia. Hi Sahara, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming. This this has to be one of the most um, requested topics. Um, from students, from parents, from adults as well. Um, so today what we're talking about is finance and what students should know or want to know and need to know about securing their financial futures um, and just some simple questions really that young people have about money and how they can uh, create a sustainable future for themselves. Um, And I'm really lucky to be joined by Sophia who has uh, 10 years um, experience working in the financial services in London and Dubai. And she has a global client base. Sophia is a times top rated um, advisor And she helps her clients with financial planning, investment options, um, and specializes in family financial planning, which is actually how I came across you, isn't it? We met um, an evening that you hosted on how to secure um, a financial future for your child. And that's where we got talking about students wanting to know about money, because it's the one thing you leave school feeling like you could have learned a little bit more about. Um, And I think it's, it's sometimes an expectation of teachers to know the answers when they themselves might not necessarily have knowledge about finance investment um, because they've also been through the same school system. Um, so thank you so much uh, for joining me today, Sophia. And I'd just love to know before we um, get into the details about <laughs> finance um, a little bit more about you, your journey into this, like how you came, how you came to be a financial planner.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, as I said, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'm so glad that we met at that event that I hosted in Henley for parents to come along to and learn about family financial planning. because that's something that I specialize in. I think my youngest client is three weeks old, who I sat with <laughs> a child pension, which is very exciting. But that's I'll so lovely. That <laughs> later <laughs> on. But I was thinking before I came on this podcast this morning, what sparked my interest in finance and where it all began. And I think it started at school, to be honest. I was very fortunate in that growing up, I didn't have to worry about money Mm. and very privileged in that. And it's because my mum, she's from a working class family. She you know worked from as as, you know as as soon as she could really working for her parents who owned a pub and so she's always installed this work ethic in me and I think when I was 16 was when I got my first job at Waitrose I was just determined to get out there and, and earn money and my dad his family are from Denmark again he just was determined to work really hard and he went down a different route in that he decided to become an actuary which is a very technical financial person Um, but he chose that career path because it paid well and so thanks to my parents in their work ethic and everything it meant that my brother and I didn't have to worry about money growing up and that's something that we were you know very grateful for but didn't really think about we took it we took it for granted and when I was about 15 16 I remember looking at the news and the financial crisis had just hit and there were stories of these families in america getting their homes repossessed and i just thought that's so awful how is this happening and selfishly i thought well that's not going to affect me in the uk or my family in the uk well i couldn't have been more wrong because my dad's company at the time was actually backed by aig which is one of the well was one of the largest insurance companies And ARG went under. And so overnight, we lost everything. So all of that financial security and everything that I'd got accustomed to growing up, literally disappeared overnight, because my dad's company, you know, was suddenly fighting for survival, not only him, but his employees as well, and all the families that depended on on that income. So it was a really difficult period of our lives but I learned a lot from it because it may be interested in firstly how did something in America this financial crisis that started there affect my family in the UK but also you know millions of families yeah. around the world how can you prevent that from happening or how can you protect yourself from that happening and and how did this happen I was I was really interested in it so I didn't learn personal finance at school, but there was the option to study economics at A level. And so that's what I decided to do, just to understand the economy more. And then I went on to study economics at Bath University as well. I was originally going to go to Cambridge, but I failed the interview. So I (laughs) was the same for Oxford. I'm an Oxford reject too. (laughs) Part of Club. (laughs) Welcome to the club, yeah. Um, But Bath was great because it was a four-year course. So I spent my third year studying Uh, in well sorry my third year actually working um, in wealth management in London so I moved to London when I was about 19 and that's when my career in financial services started and I remember being at uni and looking at the list of jobs that you could apply for when going into your placement year and it was all investment banking and I just thought given the financial crisis had just happened (laughs) and also I'd heard from you know previous or current uh, investment bankers that you pretty much don't have a life. You're working 24 seven. I just thought that's not for me. And there was only one company that was in wealth management. And I just decided to go for that just because I didn't want to go down the investment banking route. So I stumbled upon this industry by mistake, but I absolutely loved it. And the reason why I like wealth management and now have moved into financial planning is really because it's about helping people. And there's three main reasons why I'm a financial planner. So the first is to help close the gender wealth gap. We hear a lot about the gender pay gap and, you know, that's still an issue today. And it's something that I'm passionate about. But the gender wealth gap is even bigger, in my opinion. So it really comes to show when people get to retirement age. So women tend to retire on a pension about the third the size of men and actually statistically women live longer. So it's really difficult. And the second reason is what we're talking about today, which is providing society, you know, particularly young people with free financial education you know it's very rare that we learn these things at school um, or that we're taught these things and there's various reasons why that is but that's why I started my Instagram page the fear financial planner in lockdown just to provide society with free financial education because I think it's so important and then the third reason is personal to me so although I went down the route of wealth management for about 10 years you know I still was working long hours, mm. selling my soul often, um, I experienced burnout uh, when I was working at, um, in Dubai in financial services and I thought well being a financial planner I can be self-employed so I'm aligned to a large wealth management company but I'm in control of my own time and if I do have a family one day which hopefully I will do it hopefully means that I can be more present at home so that's that's the main reason why I've chosen this career path
0: that's so interesting there are so many lessons in there I felt like a right teacher going I want to go back and like <laughs> recap. it's something that you said that you know your, your parents you you you, you acknowledge that you had a privileged kind like you didn't necessarily need to worry about money however much of that is because your parents took particular cho- you know made particular choices about their career paths um, about their own work ethic which they then instilled in you and that's not it's 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 a it's a sensitive topic I think to, of perhaps a sensitive discussion sometimes to have especially as a as somebody who was once a teacher where you're teaching so many different kinds of students who perhaps don't have even the privilege of supportive parents or guardians um, or just parents and guardians who are in that position to make those choices um, but going back to what you're saying is that even listening to your story or a podcast like this um, of which there are several um, it is about making those sensible choices that support your future so like when you were looking at your career choices you said that you balanced it out against something that was going to potentially pay well investment banking but you'd have to literally sell your soul um, and your entire any any kind any semblance of work-life balance so you were as a student you were thinking about those future choices as well as a future that could hopefully financially secure you and give you the options that you want now 10 to 12 years on does that make sense?
1: That- yeah exactly and I, I learned that from my parents because as I said my mum you know worked for as, as you know as early as she could at, the, yeah. at her family pub and and in hospitality and then she then chose a career path which is something she was passionate about so she worked at the BBC for oh, okay. a number okay. of years in the production team and you know traveled around the world and had all these amazing stories whereas my dad chose the career path of essentially a job that pays well yeah. And he spent the whole of his twenties studying to be an actuary. Mm. I mean, the number of exams that he had to do, hats off to him. But mm. he wanted to provide, you know, his own family one day. And I'm grateful that he did, that financial mm. security and that financial future. And my mum worked, you know, equally as hard, but in a different, in a different kind of role and following her passion. So naturally, I think seeing both my parents always working, you know, they worked whilst I was younger and, and growing up and seeing the different career paths they chose when I was in that position to think about which one I wanted to do. Yes. I was thinking about which is one's going to pay well, but I was also thinking about which one I was going to enjoy. Yeah. And I think the enjoyment side of things, whether that's, you know, not working too long hours or for me, it's being with people, you know, that's what I love about yeah. my job. It's helping people. That's why I specialize in family financial planning. Cause I love working with parents and children that's the enjoyment that I get out of it. And I think looking at those two factors is so important when choosing a career path, regardless whether it's in financial services or not.
0: Yeah, and like, and regardless of whether you want to go to university or not, it's just something, like you said, it's, it's a very grounded way Um, of looking at your future and and career choices Um, which I think is just really important for students to consider especially like your Instagram page is so helpful um, and useful and I I refer to it a lot as do as you know many of my friends Um, and you've also been into the school that I work at to talk to the students and we hope that that's going to um, continue Um, but again it's something that Instagram especially now for young people I find like I think it was only Facebook when I was at university i think that's when it started um but now for young people social media can sometimes take out the hard work element i think um it it can make like putting together an instagram post takes time or even like the journey like the journey that you've just explained yes we've covered it in a matter of minutes but it's been a hard working long journey which has had lots of swings and roundabouts and it's not it's not just always been an upward trajectory which is something that you also cover on your instagram page bearing in mind that financial focus of like how you've navigated your finances and thought about them over the last 10 years and which i think is really important for students to consider because i think sometimes when you're at school at the ages of 16 and 18 you almost you can think life happens within the next 3 years um when actually you like you said you want to prepare and help parents and children um, and young people with their financial future like thinking decades ahead as opposed to just 10 years ahead or five years ahead is that is that fair to say? Yeah definitely and
1: when I first went into the working world as I said my first job was at 16 working at Waitrose uh, which I love because I'm naturally nosy person so I loved seeing (laughs) what people were buying uh we had a competition actually between the checkout um assistants as to who would have the longest receipt at Christmas oh <laughs> people just went crazy um but since then you know since I left uni and went into financial services I've had five different jobs and I was told by my parents you know who, who mean well and I think a lot of you know parents say this to children is that you should say with you know one one job and have a long career and and that's what people used to do in the past because you get you get these final salary schemes and yes. you've got really good work perks but now you know just I'd say to students keep an open mind it's okay to change jobs every job I've been at has been so useful at mm-hmm. learning transferable skills that I've taken to my next job and my whole career path to date has led me to where I am now and I even took a break from financial services so I took a year out working at a mental health and inclusion startup during COVID and that's because I had to come back from Dubai quite suddenly where I was working in financial services just before COVID my dad wasn't very well so I was coming back a lot anyway to the UK and when COVID hit I thought well if they close the borders and I can't get home and something happens you know I'd never forgive myself so I left Dubai, moved back to the UK, unemployed, living with my parents at 27, (laughs) uh, which is not what I expected. Um, But I know a lot of us, you know, had experiences during COVID that we obviously didn't expect. And instead of finding a job in financial services, I thought I'm going to use this opportunity to do something that I'm really interested in. And I joined an amazing startup called TLC Lions for a year. I worked as their global partnerships manager, and I helped companies get Um, stories into the workplace. So we'd have people come in and talk about uh, their mental health um, challenges, but also people talking about really important topics around inclusion, which is something that I'm really passionate about. And that was great. And it was during that year that I had off from financial services to really reassess and think what's my next career path? Mm -hmm. Where do I want to go and for the next 20, 30 years, let's say. And that's when financial planning really came to the forefront because. I knew I'd have to do more exams I'd already done so many exams yeah when I started on a grad scheme after uni I thought it'd be plain sailing I remember doing my last exam at uni thinking this is amazing I never have to do an exam again or well, I can <laughs> I couldn't have been more wrong um so that's also something for students to think about you know if you do want a job in professional services do look to see if you have to do professional exams and are you okay with doing that because my working day when I was on the grad scheme would start at 4.30am. I studied till about six. I'd then try and go to the gym. I'd then work from about 7.30 till five. And then I'd do an evening class until 10 and study all weekend. And that was for three years while studying for the Charter Financial Analyst qualification. So wow. CFA. yeah, it was it was really intense. And that's why I sort of put off doing financial planning because I knew I have to do more exams Uh, but I did those during COVID and I still have to do loads of ongoing exams it's just the nature of the world I'm in you know every time the government changes a policy I have to do an exam (laughs) (laughs) to make sure that I'm always up to date on the latest regulations and giving the right advice but I think it's worth it for me because it's so rewarding.
0: And that's why we trust you with our money. <laughs> so that's kids. What what is so what is financial planning? So for a student who's listening um what what would you say as a young person perhaps age like 14 plus um, which is probably when they, you know, I don't know for me anyway. I, I mean I used to think about money a lot before that but it was like pocket money which I'd put in my little piggy bank. Um or my mum would say you need to go there was always um i had quite a a solid financial planning head i think growing up the thing that we didn't learn about though was investing so we knew how to save but not invest so it was like save your which did work that has its pros as well Um, but for a student listening what what would you say a 14 year old 14 plus to when they get to university, for example, should start thinking about or know when it comes to financial planning? Is it just as simple as opening a bank account or would you say there are a few more things a student could do at that age?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So often when I meet people and I say I'm a financial planner, their eyes just glaze over. (laughs) because Nobody has any idea what it is. So now I say I help people make smart decisions with their money. And that's essentially what it is in a nutshell. And the basics of a financial plan is all about maintaining cash flow. So the first step that I would talk to students about, which is what I spoke to the students about at your school, is, you know, if you are already working and you've got income coming in, then it's really about managing your income versus your expenses. So budgeting is the first step getting used to budgeting so that your income is higher than your expenses. And I sound so simple, but that is the first lesson to learn. I love fintech apps. I think it's amazing that we have this option now. When I started tracking my income versus my expenses 10 years ago, I'd have to use Microsoft Excel (laughs) and input everything. Whereas now, you know, using apps like Monzo or Revolut, It shows you where you're spending more money on and you might not realise. Also, I noticed the other day on my Monzo app that I had two subscriptions to Amazon Prime, which was so stupid. So things like that. And then once you've got your budgeting sorted and your income's higher than your expenses, that's when it's really about building up your cash reserves. So again, I love the fintech apps because you can set up savings targets and they'll automatically transfer, let's say, £5 a day into a savings pot. And that might be for an upcoming holiday that you've got. It might be for you know, Christmas presents or whatever birthday presents uh, that you've got coming up. And it just means that you get used to your income being higher than your expenses, saving, building up the cash reserves. And this is really what I'd recommend to anybody before even thinking about starting to invest So it's just getting your books balanced Mm. so that your your cash reserves are building up. And the most important cash pot to have is an emergency fund. So that's about three times your normal monthly expenses that you'd have in an emergency fund. And. For students, it can be something that, you know, if they do decide to go to university, it can be something that can help them through university, for example. It's just having that cash pot there that you dip into for emergencies just makes life a lot easier because when you do open a bank account and some banks allow you to at 16, others it's 18. Mm -hmm. The really key things to be aware of is your overdraft and your overdraft means obviously if you have you're spending more than you've got in your bank account and you've got a negative balance, you know, thinking about well, am I going to get charged for that? And students can get into a really difficult situation, or you know, not just students, but whatever party decide to go down after school where you're in a negative balance you haven't built up your cash pot or your emergency fund and you're actually getting charged by the bank as a result and so it's a really difficult cycle to get out of and I've been there so I'm speaking from experience
0: I am I was smiling there and trying not to laugh because oh my I got it. like I lived off of my overdraft at uni because I didn't I thought it was free money I think because when you were when I was at uni they said oh you don't get charged is it you don't get you don't get the overdraft charges like or something like that i don't know please don't quote me i don't know whether that's how it still is but I, this is and i'm talking like nearly 15 years ago now so probably longer but um i just remember the overdraft being like oh my god i've got 1500 pounds to spend and then it was really difficult to cut, to get out of your overdraft and it sounds silly because i had a reserve like you were saying like i you know, through childhood you do anytime you get birthday money, or when I, I, like you, I also started working at the age of 16. Um, my mum would always say, you got to save, you've got to save a percentage of your, of your salary. But I would never wanted to touch that money to um, delete, like to, to basically come out of my overdraft. So it was like, a, like you said, it became like a bit of a paradox. So I was like, I've got these savings, which I can use to clear my overdraft and get me out of debt. But I don't want to use my savings because I've worked so hard to to save them. But so, yeah, you, I, I guess like the, the three lessons then that have come out are learn how to budget to begin with, which I guess for for from a young age at the age of 14, students can do that with if they were to get pocket money or even fake money. Like, to be honest, like, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm pretty sure schools do those sorts of lessons in PSHE, um, even in maths, for example. The second lesson then is to have a cash, uh, start saving. So um, kind of cash reserves. So once you, when you're thinking about money that is coming in at that age, whether it be through a part-time job or through uh, money that you get as, as, as a gift from family or friends um, for birthdays, etc., just start saving that money. Um, and then be very mindful of things like your overdraft um, when you get to university. Um, so just being aware of those those things is quite important as, as, the, as the starting point for financial planning.
1: Definitely. And if I could go back and do it all again, I would be much more sensible with my income from waitrose it was probably actually the wealthiest I ever, I ever me got. too <laughs> Oh my god! I had no yes. expenses yeah I used to go down into town get the bus to town and spend my money on cookies HMV and McDonald's and Topshop Topshop,
0: Topshop was like shop. the place to be
1: <laughs> no I completely agree and actually if I had planned ahead you know we went on a girl's trip to Inappa just before university <laughs> and I think I used some birthday money or something but if I just sort of thought okay I'm going to start a savings pot towards that pre-uni holiday or Mm. or whatever you know it might be or a savings pot towards to help me through uni or the next stage of my life then I wouldn't have got into the position that you also got into regarding your overdraft because when I started work my first you know payslips just went on paying off my overdraft. Exactly that. Yeah. Because you're right, a lot of student bank accounts won't charge you for being on your overdraft. But then as soon as you leave university, it converts to yes. a normal bank account. And that's when the charges come in. So that's when it can get really scary. And in fact, the best if you're worried about being in your overdraft or you're worried about being in debt, then the best approach is to use one of these fintech apps because monzo and Revolut, for example you actually have to transfer money onto the app to then use it right so for you know a lot of my clients who budgeting is a big you know something that they want to get better at i recommend doing that because i say work out how much you want to spend each month you know versus how much you earn so let's say you earn 500 pounds you want to spend 300 so you've got 200 mm-hmm. you know cash buffer that you can put into savings then put that money onto your Revolut or your Monzo or whatever fintech app platform you're using you can then track all of your expenses and see where that money is actually going and what you might need to you know, tighten up on, for example, like your your case, Topshop or my case, HMV, <laughs> cookies, and McDonald's, and and then also start to get used to saving regularly because these apps make it so easy to do. But yeah, that's that's definitely the first stage, and that's what I would have done if I had to if I'd done it differently. But instead, I didn't do that, and I went to my overdraft, and it took me a long time to get out of it once I started work.
0: But it's fine now because you're at the other side. You've had yeah. great experiences. You had a great holiday in Ianafa. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think that's another point because as you were talking, I mean, I guess I love this about podcasting because it does make you reflect as well, because my financial head and responsibilities and remit was so different 15 years ago when I was a student compared to what it is now as a part-time working mum of two who's just Mm -hmm. kind of gotten to the property ladder. So, and I think sometimes, and I guess I know, I, I mean, I do talk a lot about social media just because it's quite important to school should be. Sometimes I think young people see things, see a financial future of people, online which is actually way far in the future which is is way far ahead of them and they want that straight away because it looks desirable or um, or sometimes they see the opposite they see that actually money's really hard to come by or it's really difficult to save so I think it's really important like you said to kind of reflect on your own position like look at your own account use apps like Monzo look at your income versus your expenditure as it is now, and then with that plan ahead, as opposed to always looking at other, you know, kind of, I guess, in in a dream way, looking at, so for me, for example, as you were talking, I was like, I wish it could be that simple now, just because of the position that I'm in, but I would have a different set of um, financial planning lessons, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just about learning those skills early on and getting used to the habit of, making sure your income's higher than your expenses, if you can. Obviously, yes. it's it's really difficult, particularly mm. at the moment. And I know before we started this, we spoke about the cost of living, you know, yes. that's really tricky. But that's really the first step, if you can do that. Once your income's higher than your expenses, you've got excess cash to play with. And that's really about putting it into different savings pots. Your first one's your emergency pot, that's the number one one you want to build up. Mm. The other ones are just any goals that you have for the future. And it's that future element that I know is really difficult to think about when you're young. I just thought, oh, one day I'll earn a good salary and then it will yeah. happen. But actually, it's just learning those money management skills will really help you going forwards. And then once you are in the fortunate position where you've built up your emergency pot, you've built up your savings pots, uh, whether that's towards a holiday or even towards a house deposit, you know, you can start mm. saving early then that's when I, I start talking to my clients about investing. So it's it's almost that final piece of the puzzle, once your cash pots are, are built up and, and ready to go.
0: And that leads nicely into the, into the next question, because I think you've talked about, we talked about financial planning, and also elements of financial literacy. So even learning about FinTech, um, and budgeting, those are the sorts of perhaps some of the financial literacy lessons um things like income versus expenditure those words that jargon is what you sort of want to see and understand when you're at school age investing is huge at the moment there's all talk about bitcoin is it nfts N- yeah, NF- yeah <laughs> nft i know like all of that sort of stuff there's yeah, I, I'm not even gonna, actually, you know, what? I'm not going to try because I can't. I'm terrible at this sort of stuff, which is probably why I'm doing the podcast as well. But what for a student who's like, right, I understand financial planning. I get what I need to read and look at. But now I want to learn more about investing, which is still, you know, that, that, that it's a it's a topic of interest, but perhaps something that's al- almost goes beyond school. But they want to learn at school. Understandably, I used to have one of my T's, He was in year nine. This was only a couple of years ago, just as schools went back after COVID. um, All he kept talking to me about was shares in Tesla, like how him and his dad were looking. And I was looking, and I used to love, it was such an entertaining conversation in the morning where he'd be like, miss, I'm going to put nine pounds on these Tesla shares. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but okay, you go for it. (laughs) But it was the fact that he was, he's in year nine. So what, he was 13, 14. If he's having that conversation with me, I probably think there are other students who are also exploring the topic. So what does it mean to like, What is investing? in the, what, what does that mean for, um, what does it mean? So investing is, as I said, sort of the final part of the
1: financial plan, but it's really where I come in. So that's really when people would potentially seek out help from a financial advisor like myself. Mm-hmm. Essentially, investing is how you create wealth. So again when people ask me what do I do I say I help people make smart decisions with their money but I also help them create wealth through investing and that's mm. really into assets. So assets can be anything from property it can be equity so shares of companies like Apple Facebook for example Tesla mm. yeah. <laughs> it can be bonds like government bonds or corporate bonds which is essentially debt it can be oil it can be gold you know, even the art, um, antiques, watches, cars, it's a huge bucket of different things. And the goal of investing is really to build up your wealth and grow the value of your capital, so grow the value of your money. When it comes to investing, there's four really key, important factors that you need to consider. So first, it's the time horizon, I only recommend to my clients to invest money that they don't need to touch for at least five years. The reason why is because, as we're experiencing at the moment, 2022 has been a really difficult year for investors. Mm. My worst-case scenario would be that a client invests money with me, and they need to access their money next year, for example, and their portfolio is still down in value because the markets haven't had time to recover. So I'm actually returning less than their original amount. That's obviously not what you want with investing. So It's thinking about that time horizon and at least five years should really be the goal that you have in mind. The second point is being aware of the effect of inflation. So that's why I recommend having those cash pots, which is for your emergencies and any upcoming costs that you might have within the next five years. But it's to be aware that in this environment, we've got inflation in the UK about 10 percent. That essentially means that prices are rising on average by 10% a year. And we're all noticing it. You know, prices have risen a lot, both in the supermarket, but also you get a taxi, you know, everything. The cost of living is really going up and and obviously energy bills. Mm. So the problem with keeping money in cash at the moment is although interest rates are still going up and they're better than where they were. Interest rates on average, let's say a 2% in a in a flexible savings account, that's still way below inflation. So if you're earning 2% return on your money in cash, which is what an interest rate is, so the bank's essentially giving you 2% to say thank you for keeping your money with us, but inflation's at 10%, you might not see the value of your cash holding go down, but it's being eroded by inflation because essentially right. you're losing in real terms the difference between inflation and the return on your Cash, which is your interest rate. So in this scenario of 10% inflation and 2% interest rate, you're losing 8% in real terms. And that means what can you actually buy with that cash is is going down in value because inflation is eroding it. And that's something to be really important to, to be really aware about because I see clients with a lot of cash savings, which is amazing. They've done a really good job at building up their cash savings but they have more than they need. So once they've got their emergency pot sorted and they've got upcoming costs sorted, anything excess in cash, that's when we'd start to have the conversation around investing it because the goal of investing is to achieve capital growth. Like I said, it's to achieve wealth, but it's also to protect your money from inflation and beat inflation. So it's really key to consider inflation. The other point is around a diversified portfolio. Mm -hmm. So when you're starting to think about investing it's worth thinking about you know not just buying one single stock for example because the risk of that company suddenly dropping in share price or even going bust is extremely high so it's the highest risk strategy to actually just choose one share in one company it's about having a globally diversified approach and right. in terms of spreading your investments across the world spreading your investments across a number of different sectors, a number of different companies, a number of different fund managers. If you're buying, if you're buying investments through fund managers, and just protecting your money as much as possible by diversifying, that's really crucial. Then, the fourth point is just to have um, responsible investments as well. So, that's something that I'm really passionate about. I think the future of investing is to have responsible investments. Mm-hmm. Um, and by responsible I mean companies that have strong environmental social and governance credentials Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it can protect you in some cases because these companies are positioned to grow regardless of what's going on in the world and so I only invest my clients money in, in companies that have strong environmental social and governance credentials and then the final point is to consider tax so this is when you know, I get a question a lot as to when people are starting to think about investing, should they go into property, should they go into equity, should they go into bonds, all of these different areas. And that's really when my expertise comes in to help them from a tax perspective and thinking about the tax implications of their investment choices.
0: That's that's so comprehensive the way you've laid that out. Like I was trying to, I, as you were talking, I was like, oh, we could do a lesson on inflation. Um, and like what, so just to work through going back to that point, because like you said, that particular, so time is crucial in that if you're going to look at investing, investing is effectively building wealth um, over, over a long-term capacity. So would you say, I know you said five years, would you say five to 10 years is the minimum time? Yes, yeah. So on average, my clients will hold
1: their investments for a, at least 10 years. Okay. But those that, you know, might have to access some of their investments in five years, you know, I'd still be happy to invest their money as long as they accept that the investment portfolio will be going up and down in value, particularly in the short term. The longer you stay invested, the more risk you can take on with your investments. You don't have to, but the more risk you can, because you've got longer for your portfolio value to recover if there is a loss. right? Like okay. in 2022, for example, we've experienced a loss yes. and we don't know how long it's going to take to recover. But my clients that have invested for the first time this year, I know that they've got at least another four years before they need to access potentially access their investments, which hopefully would be enough time for the markets to recover.
0: Which is why you then think about exactly how much you can invest in a realistic sense, five to 10 years ahead in the future so for example when I went to that financial evening with you it was about your child's financial future so when we talked about schooling for example um, and just talking about my personal situation it might not have been talking about private education maybe not for my son at primary school level but perhaps looking towards secondary school which would be 10 years ahead Um, and then so inflation so can I just ask you to, to sort of recap that? So if, like you said, if your money's in a bank account, so if a student's listening to this and it's like, well, I've got a savings account and I'm building interest. And then you said that if you're losing out 8% because of um, the the, the, uh, the rate of inflation has risen to by, by 10%, if we were to use, a, so say for can we work through an example is that is that okay to do can we do that like
1: yeah so I'll I'll try and explain it in in sort of better terms but essentially let's say you've got a thousand pounds in your bank account yeah and you're earning two percent interest rate on it so that's yeah the return on your on your cash holdings in one year's time if inflation's at ten percent you'll have made an extra two percent on that ten thousand but inflation essentially will have been eight percent more than that so right. the value the actual ten, sorry the actual one thousand pounds won't have reduced in value like you won't actually see the value go down but if you went out to the shops and spent right. that one thousand pounds the amount of items you can buy will be lower because the cost of those items have increased yes. through inflation yes yeah. so it's always important to have enough in cash for emergencies and upcoming costs over the next five years. But once you've got that covered, having excess cash Mm -hmm. in this environment, with inflation being so high and interest rates still being below inflation, it is being eroded by that inflationary number. Now, the best advice I can give on how to protect your money against inflation, if you're not ready to yet invest, is to go on my favorite website martin lewis money saving expert and <laughs> love him <laughs> yeah be the best uh in interest rates out there so when you're choosing a bank account and i was a bit of a geek at university because i used to switch my bank account all the time to get a free 100
0: pounds or you so know, did the best i interest rate. <laughs> you get the free stuff you used to get free stuff as well i think yeah you get like i think Yeah, I can't remember what I used to get free, but you'd always get something free.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So that's great. But choosing, you know, making sure you do shop around and always looking for the best interest rates. That's going to that's going to help at least
0: that. Yeah, that's really good to know, because I think um, that those those nuanced lessons are what I think aren't necessarily covered on social media like when you're when 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 students are scroll- or or just knowing what an nft or bitcoin is you just almost it's so glamorized and i think so many of us can give into the glamour of it as opposed to understand what it actually means and like like you said the pros and cons around um financial in- investing um and so kind of linked to this is like, especially like you said the cost of living crisis students who want to go to university are worried about rising tuition fees um equally whether they can afford it or all of those sorts of things or even if they can afford it coming out of uni with so much debt um and one of the things that I know and maybe I'm just talking from my own experience as a teacher so not talking for other teachers is that financial education is so like you said ever-changing so specialized that there can sometimes be a lot of anxiety around talking about money it's almost like a taboo subject um even my friends and I after going to your evening we've started having more open conversations about money and actually it's it helps our personal financial anxiety like I know it sounds really sad but we compare <laughs> like because in, we we're like oh have you looked at your pot it's really sad we're like I, no, I love the- that <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. That that those are the kinds of WhatsApp groups I'm in. Like, yeah. in we can, But it's because there is a lot of financial anxiety, as well as there is knowledge and opportunity. There, there's the anxiety around around money. So, how how would you? How can we flip that? Because I think, especially for women, like you mentioned, the gender pay gap as well at the, at the beginning of the conversation. Um, well, when it comes to money, sometimes money is spoken about with fear. I would definitely say that was my experience growing up. It was more about you need to save your money because it was almost scary losing money. Mm-hmm. Therefore, investing can seem scary because, like you said, it's high risk. Um, so how can for students, especially for them to, to start growing? Obviously, we can't answer this question in, t- in its entirety, in, in a few minutes on a podcast but how can we flip that narrative so that young people start how, how can young people navigate financial anxiety from your experience and um, in your opinion so there's a few things that
1: I'm, I'd like to touch on there so the first is that you mentioned um, bitcoin and nfts and this idea that you go onto social media, whether that's Instagram or TikTok, and you see young people, you know, with a lot of money and being yeah. very financially successful. And my concern around this get rich quick feeling mm-hmm. is that it's almost what another anxiety because a lot of young people probably feel like, oh, I don't have time to build up my savings or build up my investment portfolio in a sensible way instead I'm gonna put everything I own into Bitcoin or everything I own into NFTs because I saw someone on TikTok that did that and now they're driving a Maserati and they have a Rolls Royce and Mm. unfortunately it's a really unregulated industry this new uh, investment class and I know people that have made money in it but i know more people that have lost a lot of money so one of the coins ethereum is down 90 percent this year and if for people that have put their life savings into that coin wanting a get rich quick scheme you know they're now down 90 percent wow. in their portfolio which is so scary it's and
0: really scary
1: there's no fundamentals as to assessing you know when will that recover will it recover will they ever get their money back whereas with the types of investments I recommend to clients Mm. which is a globally diversified portfolio of responsibly invested companies yes it might be the case that in a portfolio of 200 companies a few might not survive the majority are likely to survive Mm. so even if their portfolio is temporarily down I help manage the financial anxiety by looking into the past and looking into the company's future and we can do our very best at assessing you know when when will the market likely recover and and hopefully you know we can start to see their portfolio go up obviously we can't guarantee anything Mm -hmm. but this is why when it comes to investing both for young people but also people that do have anxieties around it that that element of choosing the right investments according to the level of risk that you're comfortable with is so important. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure, if you don't understand something, I recommend seeking advice before you make that decision. Mm-hmm. So I always say to clients, there's three options when it comes to investing. The first is doing it yourself, so that is logging on to a platform and choosing a Coin to invest in. I don't invest in coins, but in that example, or in your case with your student, you know, buying a particular share in a particular company, Tesla, and choosing it themselves, you know, some people love that and they find it really enjoyable and they do a lot of research around it. But for most people, that's quite a scary option Mm. because you're having to educate yourself to the point that you're able to make that financial decision for you. But the reason why people often choose that route is because it is the cheapest. It's the mm-hmm. cheapest option. So that's the first one. The second one is a hybrid of instead of working with a financial advisor, which is the third option. Essentially, you can go on to, again, fintech platforms and they'll ask you some questions when you log on, which will determine the level of risk that you're comfortable with with investing. So, for example, they'll say, are you happy to see your portfolio go up and down in value? And somebody that's more of a higher risk investor would say yes, because they understand that's the nature of investing. And someone that's a lower risk, more cautious investor would say no. And therefore, that platform will then allocate a portfolio to that person, depending on the level of risk that they're comfortable with. And that individual won't have to make those decisions themselves. All they're in control of is how much they're contributing and also the level of risk. So that's that's a really good starting point, I'd say, for most investors. And then the third option is seeking expert advice from a financial advisor. Same thing as a financial planner or wealth manager. Now, that's the most expensive option because you're paying for someone's financial advice. But if you're in a position where you are worried about making the right decision, you do have excess savings, or you want to review your pensions, for example, retirement plan. You know that's often the best, the best way. And and I just say, you know, you, some people say, "Oh, I don't want to pay for it," but I, I'd rather people pay for it and get accurate information and make the right 100%. decisions. Yeah. Then try and do it themselves and potentially, you know, do it incorrectly and and be taking on a lot more risk than they're comfortable with.
0: And that in itself is what can start causing the anxiety that we are currently living in a very, um, independently like we all live very independently now we all want to be very self-sufficient and um, we all because of like you said the cost of living crisis and just things you know like like martin lewis says that things have been going up not just incrementally but quite substantially over the last few years and it's all just kind of hit home very recently um which is which in itself is causing financial anxiety but because we live in this world where we We just want to be able to do things ourselves. There's so much free information on social media. Surely some of it's got to be right type thing. Actually, it is always best to ask for help if you need it. And perhaps this is a message for parents um, as well. So parents who are listening um, or even students who are listening and want to talk about money to their parents, a great starting point is perhaps listening to this podcast together. (laughs) Um, And and even things like I remember, I think that's one of the, the greatest things, like you said, about your um, uh, upbringing and like the experiences with your parents. Um, my mum my and family were always very open in their discussions about money and pensions and savings. Um, and it became part of... It wasn't like it just became part of conversation, um, even things like I know I know it sounds silly, but like buying a sofa and then buying it on finance, like those conversations all happened in front of us. And now when I speak to certain students and I might even just ask them, like, say, for example, I don't know, they've gone somewhere with their parents and we're like, oh, that'd be really cool to do for other people. How much did it cost? They have no idea how much it cost. And to me, I know it sounds that's such a minor example, but those conversations about money and how much things cost all go back to what you were saying about budgeting income versus outgoings what what are what what is your disposable income what is your um rainy day savings like all of those conversations are things that perhaps parents can have with their children or if they're not sure themselves and they are in a position to seek financial advice they can speak to someone like you
1: yeah that- exactly and and money getting rid of the stigma around money and talking about money is something that I'm so passionate about so on my Instagram page I'm very open with my own personal portfolio Mm. and how that's changed over the years you know going from leaving university with quite a big overdraft credit card debt Mm. and how long it took me to build up my own emergency fund and then I started investing and then I bought a flat that ended up not being a good investment because I bought it at the wrong time so I sold it at a loss and just being really open about my own journey will hopefully Mm. help others because we learn so much from talking to each other about it and particularly at home that's why I love working with families because I say to parents you know if I help you set up an account for your children whether that's a child pension or junior stocks and shares ISA for example on their 18th birthday, that will automatically convert to an adult pension and an adult stocks and shares ISA, and therefore I will then be their financial advisor. So for an 18-year-old to have a half an hour chat with me about what that money's for you know probably at the time they'll think there's better things they want to be doing but hopefully it gives them that responsibility quite early on and they understand more and so if for example they wanted to take out that money to go towards the cost of uni or the cost of a first house whatever it might be I'd always recommend keeping some invested because I'd explain to them about the benefits of them being so young and the length of time that they can be in the markets and that's why I love working with children because it's it's helping to rebalance society, essentially. And it's, that's the most important part of, of why I do what I do.
0: Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more because it's so, it's, it's you know, working in diversity and inclusion, it is effectively creating a safe space around discussions about money. Because like you said, it is stigmatised. There is a sense of trauma for many people, as well as, you know, many of us manage, I mean, we probably do it unconsciously, but we manage money based on how we've seen it from a very young age Um, and there's so you know we've spoken about it before there's so many books and podcasts and blogs about um and psychological theories about it um and that's not going to be any different for the students that we that we teach um and like you said you are very open about and transparent about your own financial situation Not, not to say that that's the only way into discussions about money but it then does I guess, enable and allow and show other people that there is a space to have, to have these conversations. And, you know, it, it, it will depend on the teacher and the person delivering that content. Um, but for example, I guess it, it depends on what you, kind of you've seen. Like I got a mortgage at a very young age with, with, with my mum. And I remember mentioning that to a student. And like you said, that kind of half an hour chat with an 18 year old, a few years later after graduation, she sent me a message to ask advice based on that chat because she was thinking of doing the same thing. Now I then pointed her in the, I told her the little that I knew, but then I pointed her in the direction of the mortgage advisor we'd used at the time. Do do, do you see what I mean? Like it was, it was who then um, Tom, he wrote a blog about mortgages for the school should be blog. So I think like you said, it is conversation and those small knowledge bombs shouldn't be underestimated um, because like you said, you're very passionate about inclusion. Um, that's what can make financial education inclusive, um, something as small as that. Um, because I guess my next question was going to be, um, given that, you know, we know that schools are in very different areas. Um, unfortunately, the cost of living crisis is dev- affecting some families, many families in a devastating way that, you know, even even having the sort of emotional like listening to a podcast like this might in itself be quite triggering because it's not the first thing on their agenda and I'm very very aware of that as I'm sure you know we both are Um, however for a student at school when there is time because there is time um, in schools like PSHE lessons tutor sessions when they plug in their headphones on their way to and from schools hopefully listening to this podcast um, what might be equitable like obviously your platform is one of those. Um, Your Instagram page is one of those uh, platforms. Are there any other uh, financial literacy, like knowledge, like organisations or free accessible platforms, which you would recommend or you can perhaps... Uh, recommend to to young people to just perhaps go have a browse through like as opposed to scrolling Instagram perhaps they could scroll something that could help (laughs) there's me being a proper old teacher Um, (laughs) they could scroll something that is going to support their them in securing their financial future
1: yeah and and I completely understand you know what you're saying and I think It's just like my experience when I was going through the 2008 financial crisis when I was at school, and suddenly money anxiety became a huge part of my everyday, whereas before it never was. And it's a huge lesson there because it shows you that life is not plain sailing, and particularly when it comes to your financial situation and your financial position. And the lesson that I learned from it was. Making sure that I, when I could afford to get myself into hopefully a position where I've got my cash buffer, I've got my emergency pot, I've got my you know sinking funds, and I know that that's even really difficult for a lot of people to do, but it was just something that I talked to my clients about all the time. And a lot of my clients are actually now taking holidays, I call them, on contributing into their investment and instead just building up their cash pots again Mm. because. They've had to dip into them for you know the cost of energy bills and things like that. So, but I'm there to help them through it. And I Mm. think I get phone calls all the time because I want to be available and I want to, you know, give people that safe space to talk about things. In terms of for students to, you know, obtain knowledge and learn more around how to create a financial plan and how to create cash buffers and potentially start thinking about investing one day. I'll send some options as to the content creators on Instagram that I do really like because there's the problem with Instagram or any social media platform is there's some people that aren't qualified to give advice that Mm are giving advice that might not be the most factually correct advice. Um, And I'd also, as I mentioned before, just stay wary about those get rich quick schemes through crypto and NFTs and things like that. If it's too good to be true, it often is, Uh, but I'll send you some options for you to share on, on the notes. And There's a book which I read, which changed my life, which I recommend all students should read. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I won't even go try and go into what it, what it kind of the message behind it, but it's so well-written and it just blows your mind that you think this is how I need to approach my finances going forwards. And it's incredible. And then the platforms in terms of online websites. So I love, obviously, as I said, Martin Lewis, Money Saving Expert, He'll just keep it so fresh and up to date. There's a really good platform called Boring Money. So mm. it's great because it gets rid of all the jargon and it's just really well written. And you can actually go on to, you know, different jargon buster tabs and you know what's the stocks and shares isa what's a pension and everything but they just explain it really well and then citizens advice which is actually a uk government okay website but that's really helpful uh, it just got a lot of information on there
0: that's so i'm so glad you dropped a book oh god I, you know as you know i love book but i because again rich dad poor dad is one that you've heard of, like i've heard about for i've never read but i will also i'll also read i'll become yeah um it's so But no good. your because it comes up a lot because he now does um he does webinars or things doesn't he as well like is that right um but no thank you so much for that and Sophia I feel like this podcast I could talk to you forever there are so many things that have come up and I'm like no keep your mouth shut like as in you can't change (laughs) because it is such a it's such an important topic because it's something that like I think it was um Joe Wick's I also love but he said that because he was asked quite openly about money and he said it's not that money he said that money's an enabler
1: mm.
0: financial education is an enabler and I was like that is such a good I'm sure he's not the first person to say something like that but it's like you're saying like the very the very title of your profession financial planning and security it, it, it doesn't it doesn't need to take over your life, but if you have that in control and, man- and you have knowledge about it from a young age, it can definitely enable a lot for you going forward and perhaps makes you feel like you have more choices potentially. I definitely feel that way, even just after the conversations and the, the work that I've done with you as a as a parent, but then now also on a professional level um, with students at my school. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Well, thanks so much for asking me to be on your podcast. I'm so honoured. And I guess the piece that I just want to leave with is, you know, for everyone listening, is that I know it can be scary. I know it can feel really overwhelming. I know it can feel like there's so much information out there and you almost don't know where to start. But that's where I just go back to that basics of a financial plan, which is just budgeting, getting your income over your expenses if you can, building up your cash pot for emergencies, rainy days, building up your cash pots for any sort of upcoming costs that you've got um, for the next few years. Then, when you are in a position to think about investing, if you don't want to do it yourself, then there's some good fintech platforms out there. But if you're still uncertain around that, and you want to make sure you're investing according to the risk that you're comfortable with, I would seek um, advice from a financial advisor. I'm really trying to break the stigma that it's not just for the elite, it's not just for the top 1%. You know, a lot of advisors are around for you as well. And it's just worth reaching out and finding the one that you connect with the most. And, you know, thinking about Your future as well, particularly for students listening. I know it might seem boring thinking about saving for a pension or saving (laughs) for something in the future, but time is on your side. So Mm. even if it's just a tiny amount every month, just getting into the habit of saving and potentially investing when you're ready you know, your future self will be happy. I always say investing gives you freedom of choice in the future. And that's, that's essentially what it does. But be aware of that time horizon as well, that minimum five years. And finally, don't let lifestyle inflation, so not just inflation, which we've got in the UK, as I said, at 10%, but lifestyle inflation is essentially when, and I did this, I moved to Dubai. Suddenly I was earning more money because I wasn't paying tax. I had all the best intentions to save and I spent everything in the first year. <laughs> and that's you know i see it around me you know people living above their means that's when we start to take on debt that's when we start to try and keep up with the joneses you know just i know it's difficult but try your hardest not to compare just focus on your own personal finance journey seek advice from others be open if you feel comfortable to do so um and it's just baby steps and i'm around if you if you have any questions so always feel free to message me on my instagram page as well um i'd love to hear from you
0: And I will put all of those details, um, Sophia's details, into the um, uh, information for this podcast um, and tag her details in as well. And um, you work obviously you, you work with families as, as well as adults so you go into workplaces too don't you and like and deliver um, financial well-being sessions so for staff that's something that I want to talk to you about as well um, for st- because again as this conversation is for students but there will be adults and teachers listening who are probably which is how you know for me I was like oh gosh I, I need to think about this stuff so um, and they can then talk to you about their personal financial um, position their children's financial financial positions student financial positions and um, your information is extremely valuable um, as is as is your time so thank you so much Sophia and um, I've loved it I've loved the conversation oh thank you me
1: too it's always so great talking to you so thank you so much
0: no worries I'll speak to you soon bye Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do leave us a review and share it with your friends and family so they can also learn all about what school should be. Until next time, speak to you soon.